0: morning morning. we're returning today to hebrews being chapter 10 and i'll just read uh, the first few verses and then we'll begin looking at verse 1 it says for the law since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near, otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshippers have having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year, for it is impossible. Of the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins; therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, "Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure." Then I said, "Behold, I have come; in the scroll of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God." After saying above sacrifices and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said behold I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all let's pray almighty god of heaven as we assemble this morning or we ask that the reading of your word uh, be illuminated with the person of jesus christ that the reality of every word spoken and every phrase and everything mentioned be examined under the uh, lens of the cross God, to see the fulfillment of Christ, to see the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, and all of his person and attributes, or that is our desire today, uh, to see what good things have come from heaven and what uh, a victor we have in Jesus. or to see that the blood has uh, not only cleansed and covered, but it has taken away, Lord, that it has removed sin and positionally we are righteous God and for that we owe you a great debt one that we cannot pay or one that we must uh, look at every day and find ourselves in amazement uh, at the grace and mercy of the God of heaven to see that he has sent his only son and behold he is the lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world for this reason this morning Lord may we worship you May it be in spirit and in truth, or not of a formality uh, or a ritual, but God, out of the true desire of our heart and our joy uh, to lift the name of Christ up. It's in his name that we pray, amen. So this morning we look at the first verse of chapter 10 maybe the second verse it says for the law since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near this is uh, not to be seen apart from what we have experienced previously throughout the entirety of hebrews there has been a great case uh, for the deity of christ and for the sufficiency of christ throughout the previous nine chapters beginning with who christ is in the first being the very son of god and interestingly enough uh, the thing that it says the exact imprint of his nature Uh, in that first chapter, is expounded upon and resounded again in the verse that we read this morning as we consider the negative uh, connotation of how the law is viewed uh, by those who have yet to come to saving belief as it should be seen as a copy and a shadow when in fact Jesus himself is the sum and the substance. We Remember from chapter 9, Several things have been uh, brought to our attention. Uh, The fact that there is a sanctuary on earth and yet there is one in heaven far surpassing. There is uh, limitations that are seen in the earthly service of men and a priest in chapter 9. And we see that those limitations are not applying to Christ for he has gone beyond the veil. He has made access to God A possibility and a reality for those who believe in him for even the best of priests could not take with them sinful man yet that is what Christ is doing he is before God as mediator and prophet and priest and king and lord presenting sinful man in the very presence of God being able to call them holy based upon his own holiness his own righteousness then we see Christ as described uh, though in some ways as any priest had been before him a mediator speaking of man to God and God to man but yet Christ is uh, is pictured as first of all preeminent the best and the first of mediators and of course the last of mediators we often forget that as we consider these Old Testament uh, believers and This law keeping that they had and these sacrifices and these positions and roles and offices that they had obtained and had been appointed to and had they they kept. We often consider them as things that Christ would come and later do. But the reality is that they were things that Christ had already done in eternity. Before the creation of the world he was the Lamb of God. And this morning the text will present uh, an accurate depiction of that. As we also consider in chapter 9, the sacrifice, the earthly sacrifice of animals, bulls, goats, lambs, those things mentioned this morning, doves, and whatever else have you. And then we see a more sufficient sacrifice, a sacrifice able to cover a multitude of sins, more than one man, more than one family, an entire people, people of Christ's flock this morning again we'll consider the preeminence of Christ the deity of Christ the humanity of Christ and that he is appointed to serve in these positions that were depicted as for men and prepared for men and then we'll see the sufficiency of his sacrifice and the ability of it to provide a saving power for men and to secure salvation Not for one day. Not for one week. Not for a month or for a season. But forever. Says. For the law. The consideration. The first point of the text this morning. Is to examine. Christ. Fulfilling death and sacrifice. On the cross. In opposition. To that which the law would depict. When. The sentence begins here for the law it is noting those that contrast rather so that we are carefully positioning christ as better than what has come before the text of hebrews has done a great deal to describe for us the superiority of christ and it is but uh, vaguely noted in just the phrase for the law because it is about to determine for us that which we should take away from all of the scriptures that Christ is greater. For the law has its limitations. For the law is not the fullness of God's work. In all actuality, we know that the fullness of God's work was Jesus Christ going to the cross taking upon himself the sin of man, all whom would believe in him, and imputing to them his righteousness. This is the connection here as well. Though it is drawing a distinction, it is a connection between the law and Christ, showing what the law was to do, and that was to serve Christ. Oftentimes, and even today in Jewish orthodoxy, the law is not serving, but men are serving the law. The problem is that the law was to serve the Christ. To serve as John the Baptist was one speaking and one shouting and one professing and preaching from the wilderness, the Christ to come and who now has come. says, for the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come. Interesting a choice of words here, and I want to look at these words uh, in the original language. And though I don't speak Greek, you'll have to permit me to uh, do some damage to the way these words sound. But uh, the law is first depicted by uh, a Greek word here. It appears to be nomos. Uh, it is a law that is uh, recognized in its language as being assigned. Meaning the law is not uh, the governing medium, if you will. It is the body that God has set in place for himself to govern the people. The law is not the top of the totem pole. Though it is often times viewed like that. That the law is the supreme law when in actuality Christ is supreme ruler. God is head over both the people and the law. These things, as we see, are only a shadow, the text continues to say. They were to have, to hold, to maintain for a while, to serve, as I said before, of good things, yet only a shadow. The word shadow uh, is depicted here as a not not just a shadow as if we would think a building cast a shadow, but it is to serve as an outline. When we think of an outline, I immediately, spending so much of my young adult time in college, some 10 years, I made a profession out of it. I made many outlines, and as I considered the word, the true um, meaning behind the word shadow here is an outline, I thought, you know, an outline is... At very best, a a short and brief summary of what was spoken. And so as the law is presented here, it is presented as an outline. And though as good as an outline may serve uh, to begin being studious, it will never suffice as sufficient information for a test. I've never seen anyone study their outline for a test. We study notes. Uh, We study Uh, equations and things and we get deeper than the outline and if we had only uh and in our hebrew counterparts here had only looked at the very text of scripture as it is presented in hebrews and saw that the shadow was but an outline they would have known that it meant to dig deeper it meant to look beyond uh the very top surface this shadow uh though being a very uh, primitive use of the word was to tell us that there was something more, that there was something greater to have from what was being depicted in the law. Think of it this way, that men had uh, through the prophets seen glimpses and and partial uh, realities of who God was. And what God did is he provided in the law an outline of what he expected and who he was, he he was providing for them a set of rules and a set of things that were depicting his goodness and his righteousness and his character and his attributes, but it did not provide that for someone else. We think about it with any type of law. It's good to do this. It's not good to do that. But can we equate goodness and those types of uses with godliness and the answer is no it doesn't make someone godly to simply make the choice that god would have us make we know moral people can do that people without god uh, people who have self-righteousness may make good decisions at times they may make good choices and the law was doing it was serving as a shadow as an outline but it was not the fullness of the goodness of God. It was something to be seen and looking for the real thing. When we see a shadow coming over of a plane, we don't look at the shadow and go, wow, that's an amazing plane, do we? We always look up to the sky. When we see the shadow of a building, the shadow of a tree, the shadow of a person, we never stare at the shadow and take hold of those things and grasp them. for They cannot be grasped. Neither can The law provide righteousness. Though serving and meant to serve and depicted as serving as a shadow throughout the entirety of the scriptures, many men would cling to this shadow that was the law. They would miss the bigger God behind the shadow. They would miss the Christ who was coming, the true righteousness, and they would see a form and a shell of righteousness out before them, but they could not hold on to it. It was not tangible. They were looking for sacrifices that were limited in their ability. Uh, thus, uh, it would be with any form of religion, apart from true saving faith in Christ, based on faith alone, through grace and through mercy through forgiveness of sins, none that could be earned by anything that a man could do. It was a shadow of something particular, the text says. The law, since it was only a shadow of good things. Think about how we, throughout history, have abused the law. When it says good things here, uh, we are to understand that these good things are meant to be good things from heaven good things from God good things that are not measured uh, by their existence upon earth but good things that will live into eternity what would the law itself do if it does not point us to Christ it simply points us to temporary morality momentary righteousness though it be self-righteousness. Here, the good things to come are, and the shadow of good things to come were first and foremost speaking of Jesus to Christ. And the result of the work of His finished work upon the cross, shadow of good things, an icon, small picture a scan if you will nothing like seeing the thing here having a shadow is uh, an obscure representation of the nature of the man who would come in the flesh and do everything that the earthly establishment through sinful men could not do this began uh, of course with the sinful man all the way up to the priest and his sacrifice. Christ's death in chapter 10 uh, is beginning to be pictured as the fulfillment of God's will. The fulfillment, the only fulfillment. When we consider the law and the shadow of the good things to come, the law was telling of the fulfillment of Christ that was not yet It was serving to say and to remind that there will be not a temporary fulfillment, not a a sacrifice for this sin and a sacrifice for the next where the guilt remains year and year and time and time again and the priest must continually go and he may never rest because sin is rampant and guilt is there. But now the shadow is speaking of good things and that is Jesus to come in the flesh, a Savior who is worthy of, to enter into the presence of the Father, a Savior who is altogether sufficient as sacrifice, a Savior who is able to actually save. Nowhere in the text of Scripture is the law or the sacrifices in thereof presented as something that was able to save. You would be amazed at how many people when asked How were the saints of the Old Testament saved that they will answer by sacrifices of animals? What a poor understanding of our Savior. What a limited view of a Christ who has gone to the cross and says, I have paid the debt for sinners. He didn't say sinners from this point forward. Christ did not preach about an atoning death That was only progressive for the future of believers. Christ preached substitutionary death that was able to save all men who could believe. All men who would come to him whom the Father has given. None being left out. None being cast out. When we begin to read in verse 10 for the law, since it had only a shadow of the good things to come, it should immediately drive our attention to see something beyond the religious system of the Jews. Unfortunately, this is not simply a historical failure for the Hebrew people. This is a constant failure amongst men and women. We are grasping onto shadows. Number of shadows grasping on to the shadows of a church building. We grasp on to the shadows of vacation bible school and small groups and church giving and donations. We grasp at a lot of shadows that we think somehow will uh, supply for us something that we are lacking and the reality is what we are lacking and the shadow should be speaking of is the preaching of the word of god in so much as that christ is exalted and that we are constantly no longer reminded of the guilt of sin but the the sinful men that were saved by a sufficient sacrifice christ through these good things to come is revealed Replacing guilt with love for the Savior. He's replacing guilt with the desire to live holy, righteous lives before God. He is replacing the guilt of sin with the joy of salvation. That's not what we see oftentimes in churches. We're looking at a shadow of good things to come. But often the shadow of good things to come people are looking for is a shadow of temporal things. Looking for a shadow of riches. A shadow of prosperity. A shadow of physical and mental health. Rather than to see Christ high and lifted up. It says there was a shadow of this uh, Of this law of good things to come and not the very form, not the very form of things, this again driving our attention to see that this is not all that God had to offer his people. Remember this that any time there was a sacrifice, it didn't come from men, it came from God. God was providing the shadow, God was providing the sacrifice. To cause us to look. To his ultimate sacrifice. The only begotten son. The lamb that he provided. The ram in the thicket for Abraham. Any other sacrifice that you have seen throughout the entirety of the Old Testament was not simply a a temporal sacrifice that was needed in that time but it was a spiritual sacrifice literally provided for God that they would look to the Christ to come the lamb we begin to see that the shadow is presented when John in, in his gospel presents John the Baptist saying and 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 listen to what I'm saying here he was making an appeal John the Baptist, when he first, when we see the first account of him seeing Jesus the Christ, he makes an appeal to the people, to his disciples, not based upon what Christ was necessarily going to do yet, but he was much like the text this morning, appealing to the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament scriptures, and he said, "This is Jesus." He didn't say, "This is Jesus who is going to die on the cross." He said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." He was saying, "Behold." There is the form, the exact, of which the shadow has been made. He was appealing to what they knew of scriptures like the Jews often like to do. They still do today. We need to say this. We need to do this. We need to pray this way and wear this and not wear that and don't trim this beard. Don't wear This head covering, don't do this, don't do that, don't eat this. And what John the Baptist was saying, all of those things that you're looking for, here he is, the Lamb of God. Here he is. says these were not the very form of things, not the very express image. Note to be taken here, this was not a saving sacrifice, this old system. This was not true morality, sold system. This law is not righteousness, we know. This is not reconciliation before God. None of these things were anything other than an outline, a pattern, a trace, if you will, of what God was doing through Christ Jesus. Note that as we read the text this morning and we began to pass through half of the chapter, it was the will of God. The law never made anyone conform to the will of God. You may ask them, why is God not happy with the way these men were worshiping, the way that these men were sacrificing? Because it was no longer worship. It had become simply a shadow, a shell of worship, appearing to be worship on the outside, much like with what we call anything today. We call it one thing when really it's not. Health care. Not a whole lot of health, not a whole lot of care. On the outside, it's supposed to be that which it is denoted by its title, but the reality is there's nothing in that to preserve. Man, it's a system of financial gain, dependence upon uh, medications and doctors, uh, much so was this religious system of the law. It was an outline, it was a copy, it was a drawing of those things that uh, only man could take notice of, of god we could not understand the fullness of god and so when man was able to the prophets and as hebrews describes in many ways in diverse manners through prophets through visions dreams and all of those things men were able to see glimpses of the goodness of god and they could only denote them as they knew how and when Christ comes on the scene, now we say, you know what? What we had before was just uh, just a little shorthand version. Here is the Lamb of God. Here is a real sacrifice. Here is real righteousness. Here is what I've been lacking. It wasn't the law we've been lacking. It was the very image, the exact nature of the exact glory of God presented through the person of Jesus Christ, no longer a shadow but a light illumining everything, it says these good things to come were pictured with the shadow of the law, but they were not the very form of things. it says. They were good things to come, not the very form of things, and they can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. If you don't take away anything from the text this morning, remember these words can never. That's the wall that we stand against. Can never can never be presented to God, can never be righteous before God, can never be holy before God, can never sacrifice to God, can never offer to God. These things can never. But the text does not end there. It begins to speak of Jesus who not only can but who has. What a reality this morning is Hebrews chapter 10 to reveal to us the wages of sin. A sin that says, you can never. And a Savior who saves and says, I save forever. What a great contrast. The wickedness of men versus the righteousness of God don't waste your money on a pay-per-view i know the outcome the reality is that god has through jesus christ caused men to become true worshipers no longer a shadow of worship no longer a form of godliness But the person of Christ being so powerful in his death, burial, resurrection, and and ascension has now caused men to be as he is and to be perfected through sanctification from now into the death of the mortal body. Christ is perfecting. Not the very image. Can never by the same sacrifices. You ever run into... Somebody like this, or a situation like this, where someone does the same thing over and over, expecting a new outcome. Barbara was talking about something sort of unrelated earlier, dating. She was giving Terry some advice, and uh, <coughs> we won't go into the, the the actual advice. But the reality is, we know that some people in, in those situations. Uh, They go to the same places to find their mate. That's what they're looking for. It always ends up bad. We have this saying, she likes bad guys, you know. The reality is this is what the religious system was doing. It was uh, expecting through the same thing over and over again, a new outcome. The reality is that God was declaring through the institution of these sacrifices that you'll have to come over and over again. These things don't suffice. I'll accept them for a season, but these won't work they don't save god says you need a sacrifice and i will provide the sacrifice we know before the foundation of the world jesus christ was the lamb of god and still he is and though knowing he would provide that sacrifice He gave sacrifices along the way that men may present as offerings and sacrifices before God in remembrance of the wages of sin and the goodness of God to remember the promises of God. Now, ultimately, what chapter 10 is doing, it's building upon those things that we have seen. uh, Ultimately, depicted in in chapter 9, we see uh, a Jesus who is a Christ, who is the mediator, a better mediator than any that we've had before, Uh, a great high priest after the order of Melchizedek, never to perish, unlike the priest before, one to present sacrifices like no one has ever presented before, a mediator of a better covenant Than we have ever seen before. And chapter 10 is just saying, listen, after all of that, if you don't understand, Christ is God's fulfillment of his will. Not just the things that we hit upon, but every aspect. We began to say, where are we lacking? Are we lacking in our devotion to God? Are we lacking in our prayer? Are we lacking in our offering and giving are we lacking in our worship are we lacking in our singing of the joyfulness that we have in our hearts to god are we lacking in any area and his answer here is christ is the fulfillment any area that we are lacking in and that we are missing out on it is because we are not seeing enough christ we are not desiring enough it says never by these same sacrifices which they offered continually year by year, would make perfect those who draw near. The reality is that those who have truly drawn near to Jesus, the saving Christ, the Messiah, they won't be relying upon any old system. They won't be relying upon any other sacrifice, any reciting of a specific prayer, any eloquent words before God, they will only confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We sing a hymn, as I often mention in many sermons, It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That is the sum of the first Verses of chapter 10 in Hebrews. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That he did not go to the cross to make himself look good. He did not, of course, die for his own sins. But he died for the sins of the world, those repenting and believing in him. We don't offer sacrifices of animals continually year by year anymore. Some may. Some may offer those. They do know well to your soul. Nevertheless, we are called to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice daily. You know why? Because daily is God's mercy upon us. Daily is God's goodness shining upon us, his countenance, his blessing, his son mediating. He doesn't take a day off. Thank goodness for you and I. Sin has not taken a day off. Reality is that men may cling to things that are simply a shadow. Can you imagine grabbing the shadow of a rope if you were falling off the side of a mountain? Grabbing the shadow of a life jacket. Why would you grab the shadow of a substitutionary atonement? When you can cling to the Lamb of God. When you may come to the cross and experience His mercy and His goodness. You may put on His robe of righteousness. What good is it? Any of these other sacrifices. I I would present to you that the text of Scripture would say, give it all up. Two mites or two kingdoms. And simply have one lamb. That is what Paul would have us do. That is what Jesus would declare to a rich young ruler. Sell all that you have. Keep one lamb. The lamb of God. He was told. I was coming. He was pictured again as I said earlier. By John the Baptist being this lamb of God appealing to the, the nature of the sacrificial system the law that shadow that was in place this morning is pictured as a savior of men the bible says today is the day of salvation for some that is true for others today is a reminder of salvation and it's a day that God is still saving saving others and saving me for if we make it beyond the service and we go home today and we begin to sin. Or maybe we, don't, we begin to sin when we look at that buffet over there. God is saving from sin, from hell. Are we not called to be true worshipers? Are we not called to battle with sin by remembering Christ? by having the same mind that is in Christ, by having the same desire, and that is to fulfill God's will. God's will is that the Spirit of God would use the Word of God to make the men of God look like the Son of God. This morning, if you're here for any other reason then you have come in vain, do you will that God would use His Spirit and His Word and His Son To make you righteous. To present you holy. Is it your desire. And your joy that. God has presented. His own son. At the altar. So that you may live. And have life in his name. If that is a reality. There is a reason to shout for joy. From the pews this morning. For the same reason. uh, There may be. Some need for concern for others. Just as much as the law was serving as a copy and a shadow, so was the Old Testament religious system serving as a copy and a shadow for the church that Christ would establish. Those believers would soon be moved to leave the religious system and cling to the cross, no longer offering sacrifices. No longer having to be tied down by a certain beverage or a certain food, a certain garment, but called to come together, to assemble together, to worship as the church of Christ. To worship. To come together, to assemble, to pray for one another, to consider one another's burdens To lift the finger where we may to help. Like Pharisees and Sadducees and any other. uh, The religious people of the times would not do. Not only are we called to see the fulfillment of Christ this morning. But we are called to to see how the church is to fulfill the will of God. To see our responsibilities. uh, To see our character. To see those attributes of Christ that we are to portray to one another and we are to portray to our neighbors in the unbelieving world to remember that this gospel is not just one that we must come and sit and hear, but one we are all called as well to preach. This is the fulfillment of God's will that we are not to keep merely as a treasure for ourselves but that we are to invest in others. We are to proclaim in every season, from the rooftops, the valleys, and out in the streets. The good news this morning is that Christ has died, and it continues with Christ has risen. And as we have seen throughout Hebrews, Christ is mediating. No fairer a judge will you find, nor more gracious than Jesus the Christ. Let's pray. Father God, as we consider our Savior this morning, Lord, let us, uh, let us bask in His glory and His goodness. Lord, we just pray that the wisdom of heaven and the discernment of the Spirit would abide in our hearts that we may take the words that we have read from the pages. Lord, and that we may apply them to our hearts. And that they would be taken uh, with great measure, O God. That we would fill up on the goodness of God. Lord, that we would be indwelt not only, but infilled with your spirit. Now that we would be taught by it, led by the Bible, taught by the Spirit, as we say, Lord, in that we would be unable to be shaken by the world, moved by every wind of doctrine, but only those things that are true of our Savior, or may we may we trust in him as a sufficient sacrifice, or may we uh, today. Express our joy and our gratitude over a Savior whose one drop of blood, one sacrifice, can do what a lifetime of sacrifices never put a dent in. Lord, we don't want the shadow. We want the Christ. Lord, as we look at your word this morning we know that you have prepared him for us and us for him O oh God you have given each one of these sheep to this good shepherd that he may keep them and that he may not lose any for that oh God we express our thanks we offer to you the glory and the honor that is due your name Lord we ask that you would Bless us spiritually and temporally as you see fit according to your good and perfect will, O God. We ask that you would bless the uh, partaking of the meal as we uh, tarry together or in order to hear about Christ again. May we exalt him or may you glorify yourself this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.